be a part of this thing because it's we're we're going places. You're now listening to Grace City Portland. And with that, Pastor Simon. Oh, there it is. I'll tell you what's weird is that is the design. Um, what's up with the blue smoke and like the magenta infinity? <laughs> I promise you, the weekend's totally normal. It's really fun, it's cool, it's just guys being guys, it's about Jesus, and the graphic's super weird. But that's all right, it's not about the graphic, it's just someone made that. God bless you, if you're listening to this, we're so appreciative. Um, We'll just design our own next time. (laughs) No, I'm sorry, that's so mean. But it is a little weird, had to say it. Um, I registered for the men's weekend myself, uh, like two days ago, actually got online and did it. Um, it's cool because obviously the payment things always, or at least sometimes, uh, a bit of a hurdle. You can register now, reserve your spot, and pay later. And we will talk a little bit about scholarship applications and things of that nature as we get a little bit closer. Uh, typically, we encourage guys who have the means, or guys and girls, anyone who has the means to perhaps pay for yourself and then like a plus one, and that way we can provide scholarships since we are a very young church. I think we're still officially in the church plant phase of, of our life as a church. So we don't, we don't have like budget left and right. Um, everything is, is assigned a very specific place on our little growing uh, church plant budget. Um, so occasionally we'll say, hey, give Give extra, give above and beyond, and we can use that to, to bless other guys for this very specific thing. And some of you guys have done that many times. Anyways, we'll talk more about that in the weeks to come. Um, guys, we, if you were here last week, we finished, I think, a 29 or 30-week study through the book of 1 Corinthians. Um, it was quite an epic journey. I, I've never, I've preached through books of the Bible before, and I'm sure you've all been, been, been a part of something like that before perhaps. Um, But 1 Corinthians is one of the longest epistles, if if not technically the longest epistles. It's right up there with Romans um, of all of the letters written by Paul in the New Testament. So that lasted about 30 weeks, and we are done. I think a round of applause is in order for that. Thank you. Thank you. But last week we ended on, um, obviously it was the closing of the letter, and there was a few different things that we could have sort of zoomed in on and talked about. And uh, what we did zoom in on was uh, this idea of devotion. Paul gives a bit of a shout out towards the tail end of his letter to um, a guy named Stephanus and his family who were the first converts to Christianity, the first followers of Jesus in that particular region of the world. And it said that they had devoted themselves to the service of God's people. So we, we talked about devotion and, and how to learn to, to live a life of devotion. Um, and if you want to check that out, it's on the podcast. But I, I'm highlighting that because where we're going to begin today, I think, is the perfect sort of starting point to connect with that end point. And we're going to begin a series on the subject of trust. So we're not going to be going through a particular book. Um, so in that sense, you could think of it more as like a, a topical series. We'll go about half a dozen installments of this study on the subject of trust, because in order to be devoted to another person, to a community, a church community, to God, there has to be a substantial degree of trust involved. You're not going to devote yourself to someone that you don't trust. That would be naive and 
dangerous. Um, we want to devote ourselves to people that we trust. First and foremost, to God. And it's interesting, I want to say this just right at the outset as we delve into this subject of trust, that our God, I'm talking about the God of the Bible, God, has gone out of his way to demonstrate his trustworthiness to humanity. God commands us to trust him, which is absolutely the prerogative of God, but then he goes further by showing himself to be trustworthy. He does that specifically by becoming one of us, by entering into creation in Christ and demonstrating his love all the way to the point of death on a Roman cross. He is the utterly trustworthy one. And that's our starting point. We devote ourselves to God because he is trustworthy. And hopefully we learn to devote ourselves to one another, to our families, um, within, within relationships, within this community, because trust is something that we're working out. We're demonstrating trustworthiness to one another, and we're learning the art of trust as we build relationships with one another. Um, I would argue that learning to trust another human being is one of the scariest, most exhilarating things you'll ever aspire to do in this life. To properly trust someone, to become vulnerable with another person, to be known by another, and trust them. It's a dangerous venture, and it's called being fully alive. It's what we were made to do, with God first, and then with one another. Um, so that said, I reckon we should go to our source of knowledge, that is the Bible. Um, we're going to look at Luke chapter 11 this morning. So if you have a Bible, please feel free to grab it, open it. If you'd like a Bible, we have some in the boxes in the aisle here, which are always very welcome to grab. And most of our texts will be up front. Okay, I'm not going to say a lot to set this up. It might feel slightly arbitrary at the outset, but just hang in there. We're going we're to connect a few dots. Luke chapter 11, verses 14 through 23. Now he, that is Jesus, was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the people marveled. But some of them said... He cast out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of the demon. Beelzebul, um, it, it's like a, a pseudonym for Satan. Uh, technically, if you do the study, uh, Beelzebul or Beelzebub was like this ancient Canaanite god known as Baal. If you do the literal translation in Arabic, it literally means Lord of the Flies. Bit of a weird thing. Um, but he's being accused. He cast out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. Verse 16, while others, to test him, kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. But he, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul. Next slide, please. Verse 19. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? 
Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would help us to hear your voice this morning, and even as we look to your word now, and I, I, I preach according to your word, Lord, I pray it would be your voice that resounds. I pray that you would give us hearts that are soft, that are attentive to you, and teach us to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. The first time I did uh, any sort of uh, in-depth study on this specific passage, um, I led a little, little mini impromptu Bible study. Um, oh yeah, this is the introduction, the armor in which we trust. Um, I got a phone call. This was, uh, I don't know, maybe three or four years ago. I got a phone call. Uh, a friend of mine, a girl named Alishka, had, had called me. She said, Simon, uh, there's a couple of girls that I've been living with, and uh, we wanted to know if you could come over to our apartment uh, because it's haunted. And we need, we, I think what she was trying to ask for is like, we need a priest. We need a priest. Our apartment's haunted. Can you come over and sort us out? Was, was the, the, the short version of it. Uh, they, were, they were Eastern European, Czech Republic. So I think in their sort of frame of, of reference, they were thinking, you know, supernatural activity, paranormal, paranormal stuff. Get the priest, come over, exercise it, that kind of thing. You know, like the movies. So I thought, well, yeah, of course I'll do that. Um, naturally. So I don't normally do ever, ever do that. But I thought, what a great opportunity. I'll go over and, and we'll meet with these girls. I was slightly nervous. I thought, gosh, what if I go over there and like something like really crazy goes down? Like I... Uh, I was partly eager, like I thought, what if something really crazy goes down? Like, um, but I thought, let's just go over. And I thought, I, I mustn't just like go over there, guns blazing, like you know, just just flinging holy water around. Like, this could be like the seven sons of Sceva who just get like, yeah, overcome by demons. So I thought, I'm gonna bring my Bible. Well, I'll just show up, trust God to like help me, and. Uh, and we'll look at this passage, and we'll look, at, we'll look to God's word, because um, I think it's important that, that I wanted to use it as an opportunity. Um, whatever happened, I wanted these young ladies to meet Jesus. I wanted them to meet the true strong man, the strong man who, who enters into a place and kicks out whatever doesn't belong. Um, and the way they described it, there was something real going down. I mean, this, this didn't sound like sort of fanatical, crazy, like exaggeration. Uh, they said they were seeing like 
sort of shadowy figures move around. They would go into a room. Everything would open, kind of like, like Hollywood. Um, so I went there. Nothing happened. I'll just, I'll just say, say that right up front. Absolutely nothing happened um, other than us sitting down and looking at this, this passage of Scripture and explaining that whatever is going on in this place, this is a, a matter of authority. I, I actually believe in, in angels and demons. I believe in the Bible, so there you go. I believe in angels and demons, and I believe occasionally, um, typically, um, at least in our Western context, in, in extreme circumstances, you, you might experience some, some real scary stuff. In those instances, it is a matter of authority. Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth, which is why he was able to command demons to leave, and they left. So as a Jesus follower, as an adopted child of God, um, I have delegated authority to speak in his name and also command demons to leave. That is a fact. <laughs> Might freak you out a little bit, but I just, I'm just sticking with the Bible here. So I went over there. We prayed. Nothing, nothing spectacular happened. Um, we, we looked at this, this passage, and I said, look, what, what we're going to do, we're, whatever is here, we'll just command to leave in Jesus' name. And one of the ladies had a little two-year-old boy living there, and I'm like, look at this. this. Whatever this is does not belong here. And I said, but here's what's most important. Whatever leaves here could just as well come back unless the true strong man moves in and takes up residence in its place. If you go on reading the rest of the, the parable, this is exactly what Jesus says. He says, unless the true strong man takes up residence in that place, that demon will come back with seven others, see it all tidied up, put in order, move in and have a good old time. So, so we'll pray, command this thing to leave. But here's the big question. Who's gonna move in to this place in its stead? Or in other words, are you guys ready to trust Jesus as your ultimate source of protection, provision, etc.? A couple days later, uh, they came over to my house. And a beautiful day like today. We filled up the kids' uh, uh, what do you call it, a little pool, a little kiddie pool in the backyard, and we baptized the two girls. And they made a decision to put their, their trust in Jesus. It was a very, very cool day. This story talks about armor in which one trusts. Armor in which one trusts. When you think about your life, you think about challenges you face, you think about hopes and dreams you have. You think about temptation you might resist. In whom or what do you place your trust? In whom or what do you place your trust? This is the question. Because we're all trusting in someone or something as we navigate our way through life and the implications of what or in whom we place our trust are far more than just spiritual ones. In whom we trust and to what degree we trust them 
will affect our anxiety levels in the face of the unknown, uh, our ability to become vulnerable in relationships, in whom we trust will affect our willingness to remain present and brave in the face of scary situations. And I'm not just talking about like ghosts. I'm talking about normal life challenges. It'll affect your capacity to trust again in the wake of betrayal, as well as your resolve to resist sinning in the face of temptation. Who do you trust? Who do you trust? Of course, there's like who you trust in theory, um, and then there's like who, you, who do you trust? Who do you truly trust in this life? Do you trust your family? Uh, your friends? Do you trust yourself? Do you trust your Uber driver? Isn't it, isn't it ironic that we actually live in a society where we place almost an irrational level of trust in like a lot of strangers? Like if you really just stop and think about it, it's kind of weird. Do you trust in the government? Uh, do you trust in God? Do you trust me? Do you trust your church? That's a big one. Trust is a, one of the, the mega themes that we see running throughout scripture from beginning to end. Um, let's throw up a few examples here. Psalm 28, seven. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I'm helped. My heart exults and with my song I give thanks to him. Psalm 37, five. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will act. Psalm 62, eight. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. And Psalm 115, 11. You who fear the Lord, Trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. In whom you trust is in whom you find your, your armor, as it, as it were. Who do you trust? In Luke 11, um, in the parable we read, Jesus describes the strong man who guards the treasure of his own palace. How secure is your Palace. How, how secure is your inner being, uh, your soul? Um, who is your soul bouncer? I like to think of it as like, you know, you, when you're out at night, like when you were out last night going to the club. <laughs> no, I was just talking to you, Ralph, that's all. <laughs> it's like the bouncer of the club. He's meant to to protect the space. Um, only if someone bigger comes along, then we might have a, a problem. Bigger or more skilled, I should say. Who is the bouncer of your soul? What kind of soul armor are you rocking? How do we respond? Here's, here's, here's the really telling question. How do you respond in the face of life's various curveballs? How you respond will reveal where your trust truly lies. 
Isn't, isn't that true? Isn't that true? Like when it hits the fan, that's when you find out what's really going on inside. Like who do you actually trust versus like your aspirational trust? Let's look at a few more uh, verses. I love the Psalms. They're just all about trust. Psalm 37, 7. These are exhortations. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Psalm 107.29, he made the storm be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. And Mark 4.39, and Jesus awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. So when life is on, you know, like when, when it gets real and the storm's raging and, and you're, you're stressing, anxiety is just spiking, who you trust will really determine how you react or how you react will really show in whom and how much you are trusting. We're meant to trust God something like that. When Jesus is our armor, when we know that God is for us, and that he is the greater one who lives inside us, a storm may come, but there's something about the child of God. We're able to just stand still and know that our God is the greater one. He is the strong man. Now, look, I'll be the first to confess I stress out just like the rest of you. Shirley, my wife, was away um, for the women's weekend. Several, I don't know how many girls are gone, women, this morning, 20 or so, I reckon. Um, so my wife abandoned myself and my children. <laughs> uh, and praise the Lord, my children are still alive. <laughs> um, things got a little intense. Uh, Friday night, I'm not gonna lie. My stress levels, I was not being still, nor was I being very quiet. Um, I, had to re- I actually had to repent to my eight-year-old. Um, it's, it's not actually funny, but I'm just being real. Like, it's hard. It's hard in stressful moments. Especially, I mean, never mind like kids just being a bit like kids, but you know, when, when life is really hitting you hard, do you panic? Do you run? Do you, do you relapse back into that, I don't know, that thing we all do where we, anything but be vulnerable. Anywhere but that place where people actually know you. Like what is, what is your default? Where, where do you relapse to when life is just insane? Do you escape? Do you medicate? Do you get defensive? Do you, do you, in what way do you try to be your own God? Because typically that's, that's where the struggle lies. As opposed to being still before God and trusting that Jesus is the one who has and does calm the storm. 
Who do you trust? Let's put up this next slide. Here's something that you could possibly jot down. The strength of your soul's armor will be tested when a storm comes along and attempts to tear it off. Tear off the armor, whatever it may be. And sometimes it needs to be torn off so that God can put true armor back on us. This is when you find out what's really going on. You'll find out when the storms of life hit, the proverbial storms, you'll find out either, number one, that you're trusting in the wrong armor, or perhaps you've got the right God, but your trust in him is about as deep as a puddle. God is wanting to help you uh, to grow, to learn to trust him more. Um, you know, this is, this is virtually the entire story of the Bible. Um, I'll sum it up like this. Entire story of the Bible. You guys ready for this? In three parts. Number one, uh, we're naked. Number two, God comes to us and says, if you'll trust me, I'll clothe you. And number three, um, no, so that was it. That's it. You're naked. God says, trust me. You cannot dress yourself. Sorry. You cannot dress yourself. And number three, if you'll turn to God and allow him, he will clothe you. Okay, you're naked. You cannot clothe yourself. We are all like my four-year-old, Judah, who, God bless him, he cannot get his underwear on the right way around. (laughs) It's super funny, slightly disturbing, because honestly, at this point, I think he's doing it on purpose. (laughs) I think he likes it. It's so weird. And I'll come to him and I'll say, Judah, hey, buddy, you got your underwear on backwards. No, I don't. I'm like, yeah, yes, you do. Can I help you? No. And you think, you think he thinks I'm messing with him. <laughs> buddy, you got your underwear on backwards. And not like boxers. That wouldn't really be a big deal. Like he's got his little, little you know, his little tidy whities on. Does not look comfortable. <laughs> That's us. Genesis chapter 3, the man and the woman in the garden, they realize that they're naked. Okay, this, this is such a beautiful and powerful description of humanity becoming conscious. We realize that because of our, our separation from our creator, because of our choice, for, just for a moment, to be our own gods, like that, we become aware we are vulnerable. We are naked in the world. And what do they do? They attempt to clothe themselves. They attempt to cover up a little body armor. And God comes looking for them. What a gracious and patient God. He comes looking for them. Have you ever heard a preacher tell you that God is so holy that he cannot be in the same place as sin? I would, I would challenge that theological assumption. Because in Genesis chapter three, when Adam and Eve have sinned and rebelled against God, what does God do? Distance himself? Hmm. No. He goes looking for his children. He goes looking for those rebel kids of his. And it's a serious, serious ordeal. It's serious. And he says, 
What are, you, what are you doing? Why are you hiding? Who told you you were naked? Come here. Put that underwear on right side, right side around. <laughs> you look like fools. Now he takes it off and, he's, and he says, let me clothe you. And that is the proto-evangelion, the, the foreshadowing of the gospel. God coming to his broken children to say, you cannot clothe yourself. Let me clothe you. Let me cover you. Let me do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Let me, let me just say a, a quick word on a theological nuance. Now, some of you, if you're, if you're thinking, you, you, might, you might be racing ahead of me a little bit. You might be thinking, well, what is, how do, what is trust and how does it relate to faith? I was, some, I was someone just asked me last week quite randomly, what's the difference between faith and trust? And my short answer is simply, I, in my opinion, honestly, I don't think there is a real difference. I mean, I think, you know, obviously there's, there's some discussion about that. But if it comes down to, I mean, even if you want to just look at the actual language, uh, there's really no great difference. Um, it depends on the context. It depends on the context. Um, typically in Scripture, faith is, is used more like a, a, a noun, where trust is, is typically used as a verb. So faith is something that's um, given to you, you could say, something that you have. Whereas trust is, is more dynamic, it's something that you work out, you grow in, requires willful action. Um, but in order to have faith in someone or something, you must trust them. Um, we are saved by faith, and that's not a work, it's a gift of God. We're saved by grace through faith, it's a gift of God, and yet, Trust is something that we work on. In our relationships, let's just think about the, the horizontal experience for a second. In our relationships, if someone sins against you, if someone betrays you, you're commanded to forgive them because God has forgiven us in Christ if, in fact, you have turned to him. And it's not something that could be earned. Forgiveness is forgiving or receiving as a gift. Trust, however, isn't automatic. If someone sinned against you, if you're in Christ, you're commanded to forgive them. If you withhold forgiveness, well then you, you truly have not been forgiven. Or as the Bible puts it, if you withhold forgiveness from someone, then God will withhold it from you. Okay, because it's a gift. It's forgiving. But just because you've chosen to forgive someone who's sinned against you doesn't mean you're automatically going to trust them again. Doesn't mean relationships just restored like that. There's, there's work to be done. I, I would put it as Ephesians puts it, that we're not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. And growing in trust is a good work to grow into. Learning to trust God more and consequently, learning to trust others. I mean, let me articulate it like this. In Christ, salvation has been paid for. 
but applying our new identity in Christ, taking steps to trust him practically, is something we learn to work out. Grace is a gift. Trust is built. Forgiveness is given, but trust takes consistency and intention to grow. Love never ends, but trust can be broken. The labor of learning to trust God and others can never add to God's gift of grace in our lives. That is our justification in Christ. But growing in our trust is a good work that God has saved us for, as I said. It can be the difference between one listlessly wandering through life, wasting opportunity to be a conduit of God's grace, of his love, or growing up, becoming mature, secure, responsible men and women who don't run every time an emotional storm hits our lives. Because I would contend that's typically what we do. Whether it's a, just a one-on-one relationship or a, a spiritual family that you might belong to, as soon as things get emotionally funky, our default is to run. Just leave. As soon as you feel like things are getting too, too vulnerable in the kitchen, our default is to get out. Guys, we do it over, and I, I guess I'm kind of, I don't want to get ranty, but I see this over and over and over and over again. In people's lives, in churches, Stuff starts to get real, right? People start getting to know you, and all of a sudden, someone bumps up against your ego, and you're like, oh, offense. I'm out. I'm out. And of course, we have brilliant excuses for why. It's like, oh, well, you know, I, I left because so-and-so was a heretic, or, you know, da-da-da-da. Like, and maybe, maybe, absolutely there is an appropriate time to leave and never look back. Absolutely. But oftentimes, guys, we we come up with the lamest excuses to just avoid dealing with the scary reality of being vulnerable and working through offenses in relationships. And so we need to learn how to grow and trust. And trust. Because look, we will offend each other. Absolutely we will. I wish it weren't so. I so wish it weren't so. But we will. The longer we're together, the closer we get, the more you actually get to know someone, the more likely someone's going to say something that you're like, whoa, I don't like that. All of a sudden, I I feel vulnerable. You've hit a nerve. I feel exposed. And so we'll run. And less and less we trust. Because you might say something I don't like. But if I trust you, we're going to work it out. We're going to work it out. And if I've learned to trust my God in a way that he has demonstrated his trustworthiness, then ultimately, my willingness 
to trust you, it's actually not so much about you as it is about Christ in my brother or my sister. That's how marriage stays together. You know that. That's the secret to marriage. I'm convinced, utterly, wholeheartedly convinced. Shirley and I have been together for 10 years now. Not because I'm so awesome or she's so awesome. She's pretty awesome. But it's not because of our awesomeness. It's because I trust that God is doing something in us. I trust that God is working something beautiful and irreversible in my wife and in me. And so we keep slugging it out. We keep trusting each other. We keep growing in that trust. So here's where we're going to end today. This is meant to be a bit of a preview. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about trusting God in the face of temptation, fear, uncertainty, betrayal, disappointment, need, relationships, impossible circumstances of all kinds. We're going to learn how to build trust in our relationships with God and others. We're going to learn how to trust in God, how our trust in God directly impacts our ability to trust others. And we're going to learn how to rebuild trust when trust has been terribly broken again and again and again over time. Guys, we're going to figure this out as a community because 50 years from now, I want us to be healthy. I want Jesus to remain at the center of his church, the church that he started. And for those of us who have been called to stay in Portland and to be a part of this church family for a season, guys, we are going to work learning and growing in our trust in God and one another. You guys with me? That's where we're going. That's what we're getting up to. Can we stand together? Can I invite the band to come forth, please? Sometimes you got to put on the brass knuckles in the spirit. Father, once again, thank you for demonstrating uh, your love and just how trustworthy you are. You've commanded us to follow you, to repent, and to put our faith in you. Because there is no salvation apart from you. It doesn't matter what religion we claim. Ultimately, either we're trusting in you to cover us or to somehow work it out on our own. And Lord, we look to you. We look to the way that you have covered us, the way that you have made covering available in Jesus and him alone. It's such an incredible gift. It's, it's mind-boggling, not that, not that there is just a way, but the fact that there is a way We're so blessed, Father, to be able to to not only be in a relationship with you, but but to grow, to mature, to work these things out. And Father, I pray that by your grace, you would help us to do so. We know that, that ultimately, our work is to rest in you. 
while you empower us by your spirit to take, to take steps forward. Help us, Father, to all take one giant step forward together. Help us to step out of boats. Help us to walk on water. Help us to be still and to know that you are God. Help us not to run. Help us to remain present and brave that we might grow through our trials, that we might witness your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, we're gonna worship together with one song. So since my wife was out of town this weekend, I took the kids on an adventure, went hiking out in the woods, went to this old stone house. Um, you guys been there? The one in the forest up on the hill there? Anyways, we were hiking along, enjoying the day, and my little four-year-old, who can't seem to get his underwear on right, out of the blue, I don't know, I don't know why his, his head went there, but he looked up to me. We're sitting by the little creek there. He looked up at me. He said, Papa, sometimes I love Jesus so much, I just want to cry. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so that's how I felt. I was like, my boy, my boy, I, I wanted to cry. I wanted to cry. I'm like, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. And the reason I'm sharing that now is because this, this is where I want us to end the morning. As we leave this place, guys, trusting God, trusting our Heavenly Father, this is not a complicated thing. It doesn't require a lot of complicated words. It, it is a childlike experience. And, and it's, it's where we're headed to. It's the journey. It's, it's why we wanna, wanna grow. It's why we wanna mature so that we can connect more and more with our God, so that we can get to a place where we're like, look, I just... I just want more of his love. I am obsessed with the love of Jesus. I love him so much, I want to cry. That's called being alive. That's tapping in to the Father heart of God, the one who loves us with no end, the one whose love we can never, ever be separated from. He is who we need to trust. His love what we want. It's what we're all about. I love you guys. If we've not met, grab me. Introduce yourself to me, please. I'd love to shake your hand. Otherwise, enjoy the afternoon. Go get that vitamin D. <laughs> See you guys around.